Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. I got to record this one a tiny bit earlier than usual, so I may have missed some last posts that came in uh, after I recorded, but don't worry, I'll catch up on everything next week. And as always, you can always just go to RetroRGB.com to see things come up in real time. So anyway, let's jump right in. First up, Castlemania Games is now taking pre-orders on QWERTY Moto's RG Bench, and that's a device that's basically a pass-through connector that allows it allows you to interface a lot easier to an oscilloscope, so you don't need to unplug and replug every time you change connectors. You could use component video, SCAR, or VGA right into it, and it has dip switches for 75-ohm termination, so you don't even need to worry about that as well. Um, now, I'm no expert at a scope, but in all of my testing, it didn't affect any of the voltages I was testing testing at all, uh, so that you don't have to worry about anything adding too much resistance or anything like that. Um, now, I have no idea how it would be for some super crazy in-depth stuff, but respectfully, if you're smart enough to work on that, you're probably smart enough to figure out <laughs> if this is going to be a problem at all. But for, for just basic interfacing with a scope and checking RGBS levels and stuff like that, I found it to be super, super handy. So if anybody's looking to buy one, you could pre-order them from Castlemania Games now. Uh, and there is the oscilloscope page right on the website. I'm pretty sure I linked to it right here. Yeah, on the uh, page. But if you're looking to get started in testing this stuff, this is definitely where I would recommend going and not just because it's on retro RGB, but because this is a culmination of a lot of research from a lot of people much smarter than me. So if you're looking to get into scope testing and you want links to all of the best stuff, I would definitely check these out uh, and, you know, be able to teach yourself how to do a lot of this testing on your own. It looks like a Kickstarter was just launched for a brand new NES game. Um, the Kickstarter is successfully funded, but if you were looking to get a cartridge, um, you could still get one up until July 18th, so pretty soon from the time that this podcast will air. Um, and it looks like a pretty neat platformer. There's been a ton of new new games on old consoles in the past few years, and a handful of them have been really, really awesome. So uh, I'm interested in playing it, and I'm always kind of interested in checking out new takes on old stuff like this. So hope Hopefully this one will be another winner. Sega just announced another mini emulation console, this one modeled after the Astro City cabinets. It's $130 and it'll ship in December, and there's also a control pad that's going to sell for about $30 that actually looks pretty cool. Uh, it's USB-based, so you should be able to use that on other things like Mr. or Emulation. Um, and it's got a bunch of games listed with uh, some notable ones being Altered Beast and Virtua Fighter, and it's basically just think of a Neo Geo Mini, but modeled after an Astro City. And my take on all of these things is always the same. They're toys. I always end up picking one up when they're much less than half price, just on clearance sale. I always end up opening it up, playing with it for two seconds, 
you know, kind of getting the, a fun novelty out of it and then boxing it back up and just using it for B-roll and videos and never touching it again. And I'm starting to wonder if the market's getting saturated with stuff like this because they're not really useful. You can't really game on these for very long. And it, it's really nothing but a novelty toy with mediocre emulation. So I'm just, I'm always wondering how much more would it have actually cost Sega to make something useful? Like take a 15 inch LCD panel or even I guess a 17 inch depending and make the exact same thing you see here in this picture, but something that's actually usable that somebody could enjoy playing a game on, you know, take the time to do emulation, right? Maybe, you know, maybe even offer inputs so you could plug a mystery up to it and use it as a a mini arcade tabletop. I mean, how much more cost would that have added? 50 bucks, maybe? Maybe a little more if you consider shipping? I just, I can't see spending $160 on this, including a controller, whereas I absolutely could have seen spending $200 on a decent tabletop emulation arcade machine. And while, of course, you know, enthusiasts would always love CRTs, that's not at all realistic anymore. So just a 15-inch LCD that's got really low lag that maybe even has some neat CRT filters on it or something would be pretty awesome. I just, you know... Uh, it's my gut feeling that the market's going to get saturated on this. The next few that come out aren't going to sell at all, and then we're never going to see this stuff again for many years because the companies will be too afraid to take a chance, not realizing that if they had done it right, people would have actually probably bought them a lot more. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe all people want is the novelty. Maybe people don't actually care about playing games. They just want to you know, open it up, play it for 30 seconds, and have a fun novel toy sitting on their shelf that they get to look at. If that's the case, then I guess all these companies are winning and just it's just the hardcore gamers that are losing out. But, oh well, inter- as always, interested to hear your opinion in the comments on what you think. Woozle has just shown off pictures of two new consoleizer kits that he'll be trying to release this fall. One is for the Neo Geo Pocket Color, and the other is for the Game Gear. And they're going to be pretty much the same style as the Game Boy Advance consoleizer with HDMI output and uh, controller input, a bunch of great features and all that. However, these are going to be meant to be used only as consoleized boxes, not with the original shells, which I think is totally cool. I mean, I, I especially for stuff like Game gears with had a which had a terrible screen anyway um you know while i do like the game gear they're they're still cheap enough where i could pick one up you know recap it because you always have to do that install this kit and have a neat 3d printed case that i might be able to use with it um so i'll keep everybody posted on price and official availability i just felt like uh if woozle was posting online about it i might as well let everybody know that they're real and they're coming relatively soon so uh, i'll keep everybody posted and hopefully i'll be able to get one in to do a review as soon as they're available. And speaking of Woozle, he has just uploaded the 3D printed design for the Game Boy Advance consoleizer case on Thingiverse. So if you were one of the people that had the facehugger design, like the one that I got, and decided, oh, actually I wanted to do it consoleized, you can get this. Um, and there's also a 3D printed cover if you prefer that instead of the Plexi, designed by Marcus Mitchum, the same person who did the Virtual Boy consoleizer cases. So, you know, while I really did like the Plexi design, I think the 3D printed case looks pretty bad badass so you know you have choices now anybody get pretty much whatever version they want and uh, it was very cool to see this up there so people could just print their own case if they decide to switch to a different style 
The Mode Optical Drive Emulator just got a new firmware update that has a bunch of bug fixes, uh, but I think the main focus of this firmware update was Sega Saturn compatibility. So if you have a mode, I would check out the full list and, and see if any of this affects you directly. But to be honest, anytime there's a new product out there, I would just always keep your eyes open for new firmware updates because, you know, even big companies can't test every single aspect of every single way to use it. So there's always going to be bugs anytime a product's released. And uh, it seems Terra Onion's been pretty good at keeping up with this. And for anybody unaware, the mode is the multiple optical drive emulator or multi-optical drive emulator, but it's basically just a device that could be used in either a Saturn or a Dreamcast and to be able to play backups of games and homebrew from either USB, SD, or hard drive. So I'm looking forward to getting one and testing it. My Dreamcast ODE is already dead. It keeps it keeps rebooting itself all the time. I can't even get you know 30 seconds in without the thing rebooting. So I'm looking forward to putting this in its place and seeing what it could do. Dan just posted an installation video for the PS1 Digital that shows people how the kit can be installed. I believe kits are being shipped out to installers now so they can get some practice, and hopefully I'll be able to get a review one as well. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to checking it out, especially certain features that I think a bunch of us are all waiting for. So I'll keep everybody updated, and if you want any info now, check out Alex's post that has pretty much all the info out there for anybody installing the PS1 Digital. There's been even more tweaks, bug fixes, and improvements to the Super Game Boy Core for the FX Pack and FX Pack Pro. So if you've been using those, definitely watch the site and continue for updates because the developers really been killing it with these. Um, even more accurate performance. And QWERTYMOTO did a stream showing off the MSU1 uh, audio patch for Link's Awakening on it as well. So anybody that's been as excited about this project as I have, definitely keep checking this stuff out and always keep updating the firmware because there's just new bug fixes is coming all the time it seems. Consoles for You has just shown off a working prototype of their pro version of the Xbox to Wii component adapter. This one offers the optical audio output as well and still has the connection to use a Wii component video cable on your original Xbox. So this is pretty handy for anybody that might have a really good set of Wii component video cables or just want to go buy the HD retrovisions um, because the total cost might be cheaper than trying to dig up one of the expensive and used uh, Microsoft HD packs that are out there. So I think this is a pretty cool solution. Um, there's also a few 3D printed case designs being thrown around for it now. I know consoles for you, I saw on Twitter, they had a few other ones. So, um, you know, they're aiming for under $40 at a price point, but it might vary depending. So you're still talking about what you would get for or what you would have to pay if you tried to hunt down one of the really good quality original Xbox component cables. But at least you could purchase everything brand new. And, you know, I, sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes it does. I guess it all just depends on the care people took of their stuff. So either way, always happy that there's choices. And um, hopefully I'll be able to play with one of these when it's released. The 8-Bit Show just posted a video dedicated to Satoru Iwata, I'm sorry for the pronunciation, uh, and talked about a game that he had designed for the Commodore VIC-20 that had an Easter egg in it that showed who the program was written by uh, and kind of a signature on it, HAL Laboratory, Akihabara, and Tokyo, Japan. And I guess... It, in the, they were able to find the code with the Easter egg in there, but then it was disabled. I guess maybe the, uh, he thought he was going to get in trouble for doing that because back then most people didn't put, uh, most games didn't have their 
designers out in front and center. I think I'm trying to say that as quickly as I can without going on a very long discussion about game history, but <laughs> I think that's probably the best way to put it. Um, so uh, the 8-Bit Show hacked that game to have the Easter egg in there. So their hacked version of it now just shows the credits. So it's a small thing, but kind of a fun little Easter egg just to uh, just as a nod to the person uh, who designed the game and to somebody who was a big part of Nintendo for a long time. So while there's been a ton of tributes and call-outs, I think this one's kind of extra nerdy, uh, and I'm glad Vanessa wrote the post about it. So definitely check it out for more info. I just posted a review of the Mega EverDrive Pro, and it was kind of an interesting situation, and the first time I ever really scrambled to do something like this. But I had received the, uh, the EverDrive on Friday, and I thought, okay, well, I have a bunch of stuff scheduled for the next few weeks. Um, you know, let me let me just wait for Cricks to get some firmware updates out there because there's already a few reviews that showed that there were some some very obvious launch day bugs that are probably going to be fixed right away anyway. Uh, and right at about the time I, I decided to wait on doing the review, Cricks had released a firmware update that fixed all of the issues and added a couple of new features as well. So I said, all right, well, let me get this review out here as soon as I can. That way, you know, you know, no disrespect to the other reviewers. They reviewed fairly the product that they received, but I wanted solid info out there because unfortunately for them, all of that info is pretty much irrelevant now because they're all fixed, which is, you know, it's just the way it is with videos. That's why I stuck to a website for so many years and not videos because all you have to do is edit the page and leave a little update note at the top, not reshoot a whole other video. So... I decided to scramble to get this video done over over the weekend. And I worked nonstop from Friday night until the video was released on Monday afternoon. And I think I, I, I tried to keep track of like a rough estimate because I'm always curious how much time I spend on these. And in that short period of time, I think I clocked like 35 hours total to get this review done. So excuse me if I'm a little bit loopy in this one, uh, in this podcast. And I did miss a couple of small points um, in the video, but I'll give the short rundown of it now. Basically, I compared the Mega EverDrive Pro to the Mega SD, and both are awesome. They both have their own differences and features, and I made the point in the video that we're all very lucky that we have the ability to nitpick now. Now, there isn't just one thing that, that's out there that can, do some, that can do Sega CD support. Now we could say, oh, I like the menu better. I like the form factor of the cartridge better. You know, uh, whatever feature means a lot to you, you could choose based on, which, which is really great. It's, you know, that's the spirit of competition in a good way. Uh, and they're both awesome. So pick whichever one you like. And we are all very lucky that our TBO was nice enough to come in and talk about the MD4A analysis. And I, I really loved this for a couple of reasons. First, I mean, I think we all enjoy hearing our TBO talk, so that's always fun. But um, while I'd talked about MD4A, I don't think I'd seen anything out there that put it into this kind of perspective before. So I wanted it explained in a way that would do all the testing justice because the MD4A team helped me pretty much all weekend do all of these tests. And it was hours and hours and hours of testing. And I didn't want to just say, and after MD4A testing, this looked like this and that looked like that. I mean, it just, it didn't do the team justice for all the work that they helped me do. Um, and it also didn't do the justice of how quality both solutions are. So Artemio started out by first talking about the differences between the Genesis console I used for my recording and the one that he used. And it's so important that he did this because without this, you could easily look at these graphs and go, wow, that's 
way off. That's not even close. But then when he explained it, you realize that these are actually incredibly close and that it was a, a very good thing that it looked the way that it did. Um, next, Artemio compared original Sega CD to the Mega SD and original Sega CD to the Mega EverDrive Pro, which is important because for pretty much every Genesis game, I think all of them, they use the audio chips that are on the Genesis itself. So there's never really going to be a difference between a ROM and an original cartridge. They're going to sound exactly the same. However, both of these cartridges use uh, not just an optical drive emulation, but a full FPGA core that emulates the entire Sega CD hardware. So it was really impressive to see how Crix obviously used the MD4EA software to tune his, and it's incredibly accurate. But it was also really impressive to see how accurate the Mega SD is, especially because it was originally designed before MD4EA was even released. So they had to do all that by ear. And it just it was a, a good reflection on everybody that, that was part of the team that did that for Terra Onion. So very, very cool to see both. Um, and overall, I mean, I just, I th- like I keep saying, I think they're both great cartridges. And uh, I just really happy that that now we have excellent choices to go on the only other thing i have to say is a shout out to brooklyn video games and my friend jose because uh brooklyn video games lent me the sega cd for this one because mine's still being repair and then repaired and jose actually delivered it to me so because he knew i was working like crazy to get this out so it was absolutely awesome of so many people to be nice enough to help so i hope you all enjoyed the video i hope um, it was just a, a good summary of of each Um, And I'm really glad that solid info is out there now about the EverDrive Pro, because after that firmware update, everything changed. And lastly, the GC Loader just got a firmware update that protects it from bricking if power is lost during a firmware update. And while this certainly isn't as fun and fancy as the last firmware update that allowed for instant booting, I'm always really happy to see people putting some focus on safety as well. Uh, So if you're a GC Loader owner, I would do this firmware update immediately and be very careful. And then after this update's done, you don't have to worry about uh, it ever bricking should the power get pulled out during a firmware update. Well, that's it for this week. I guess this one was on the shorter side, but I always just try to talk about each segment as much as I feel is necessary to do it justice, and sometimes I don't say enough. Oftentimes, I probably ramble on a little too much, but I'm trying my best, so hopefully everybody still enjoyed this episode. Um, Also, for any subscribers, uh, I'm going to have to skip this week's Q&As because of scheduling and because I would never want to just rush through anything like that, but I'll be back to a schedule next week, um, and hopefully I'll have some of the things figured out on where to post them, what's the best thing to do for the algorithm and the whole retro RGB team. So I'm still working on that. It's always a challenge because you never really know what the right or wrong thing to do is. But anyway, um, as always, thank you all so much for watching, for listening, and for participating nicely in the comments. I really do enjoy reading people's opinions, even if we completely disagree about something. As long as you're not, you know, as long as you're mildly respectful about your opinion, it's always appreciated. And I, I do, you know, I don't always change my mind, but I do often get a different perspective on things when people disagree. So feel free to fire away. Always interested in hearing from people. And uh, so thanks again, and I'll see you next week. 